0: yourself with Sarah Dawkins, episode 12, with guest Michael Mintz. So Michael Mintz is from Dallas, Texas. He's an executive VP sales and marketing at, Great, at Grand Home sorry, for 25 years. Michael's had 30 years of successful sales in leadership and coaching and is an international keynote speech speaker. As a coach, Michael is passionate about helping people to become successful in all areas of their lives, including career, financial, mindset, relationships, health and happiness. The things that are important to him are his faith, family, career and coaching people. Michael married his college sweetheart and has four amazing daughters and eight grandchildren. He's passionate about helping people to discover their true vision of life and helping them to get there. And Michael's with me today to talk about relationships. Hello, Michael.
1: Hello, Sarah. How are you doing, my dear?
0: I'm great, thanks. How are you?
1: I'm fantastic, actually. I am fantastic. And that's because I get to spend a lot of time with you.
0: Oh, you say the kindest of words, Michael. <laughs> <laughs> Now, Michael, I'm going to mention, if that's okay, straight up, that you were a guest on my Heal Yourself Live Summit back in right. January this year, 2023, mm-hmm. and you talked about your own relationships then, um, and here today, you're going to elaborate um, on what you've said and share with us some new information, so over to you, I okay. can't wait to hear it
1: okay well okay. thank you very much i'm I'm so happy okay. to be here I'm so happy to get to visit you know with your with your audience. I know that everyone that's probably in your audience is very interested in in different parts of healing of the body my My specialty or what I believe is my specialty has to do with relationships uh I'm actually a success coach, but i spend i spend most of my time. Um, not talking about career not talking about finances, but talking about the other areas of our life where we struggle and in in talking to executives and leaders and, and people who've been very successful in their careers, I find that one of the biggest areas in their life that they've they 've kind of abandoned or they've let that they haven't spent much time in or they haven't taken care of it, are relationships with other people, especially those very close to them. Um, and so I spend a lot of time, you know, asking people about their relationships and, and then they spend a lot of time saying, Mike, I, I need to know how to put this back together, you know. And, and so we spend a lot of time talking about, do I really know who I am? And when I ask them, I said, when I ask people, do you really know who you are? You know, they can rattle off all of these explanations of who they are at work. They can explain to me, and they can tell me all the definitions that ex- that that explain them, all the things that that define them. But all of them have to do with their career. And and when I say, well, I say, you know, well, okay, that's who you are at work. But who are you at home? The problem is that's because that's what defines me. Because my work defines me. Because what I do defines who I am. The problem is, it makes it very, very difficult for us to to have really, really real relationships with other people. Okay, uh, that actually was true for me at forty-one years old. I've been, I was, I was being very. Um, I don't want to, I don't overblow that, but I was being rather successful at my career, right? I was, I was, I'd been more successful in the in the two years after forty than I was the, the you know the forty years up uh, up till then, and so. Be, when you experience a little bit of success in your life, because that starts to add value to who you are and what you do, then um, it begins to become who you are. Um, and so relationships became a really problem for me. My wife uh, at that time said, hey, there's, there's, this is probably an all-time low for us because you and I are not on the same page as far as our relationship. So I started seeing a counselor, probably the greatest counselor I've ever seen in my entire life. I love to talk about her. She's no longer living. Her name was Betty Erickson, and Betty Erickson was the daughter of Milton Erickson. And Milton Erickson was one of the co-creators of NLP, or Neuro Linguistic Programming. Um, And she was incredibly smart, which for me went a long way. I, I I was crazy about the fact that she was so intelligent. Uh, and, in um, she asked me this question. She says, Mike, I want you to tell me who you are. And, you know, I'm, str- I'm telling her all the things I do and what, and what, what I am at work and what defines me as far as my career. And she says, no, 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 Mike, I want to know who you are. Tell me who you are. Um, and I was struggling to, to kind of come up with something other than, you know, I'm a father and I'm a husband and, you know, and. And after about a month of seeing her, she, she really kind of clamped down on me. And she says, Mike, do you know that the persona that you exude is not who you are? I go, um, okay. I said, I'm, I'm not sure what you mean by that. She says, well, the shell that you wear around you, the protective shell that, you, that you've encompassed yourself with, that says, this is Mike Mintz, this is who he is, this is this is how he speaks, this is how he acts, this is how he feels. She said, doesn't resemble the real Mike Mintz at all. In fact, it's so different that if I was you, I would be worried. <laughs> I go, um, okay, I go, why should I be so worried? She says, well, Michael, this is this is how other personalities develop in our lives. I go, well, that's scary. Wow, that's kind of scary. I have Multiple personalities. Now we're talking about. And she got my attention, and she says, "Is that true? Is that true that the that the the shield that the the what you wear around you, the cocoon, I think is what she called it, that you have around you, in no way resembles who you really are." And I go, I go, yeah, that 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 absolutely is really true. And she says, "Well, tell me a little bit about who the real Mike Mintz is. And I said, "Well, he's afraid. He's afraid." And she said, "What is he afraid of?" And I said, "He's afraid that everybody's going to find out." And she said, I said, she said, well, "Find out what?" I said, "That I'm that I'm not real, that I'm not who I say I am, that I'm a fake. That it's all an act. That that the person behind the shield is is um scared is is unintelligent, is unattractive, is um, not capable of doing the job that he's that he's been promoted to. Uh, it's not capable of being a great father, not capable of being a great husband. I said, I live in fear of all those things. She said, well, we have to get rid of the shell, she said. And so we started doing some things that led me to the statement that I use a lot. And that's loving people for free. Okay, so she helped me understand the statement that, that none of us typically know how to love unconditionally. Okay, and she says, and it's really a, when, when you talk about be, a loving unconditionally, people think that people kind of act like they know what they're talking about, but they're, they're really confused when it comes to loving unconditionally. Because loving unconditionally means simply that you love with no conditions attached. You love someone and there are no, zero conditions attached. And I started, I started thinking about that and running down the list. And I go, well, yeah, I have, I have conditions for my wife. I have conditions for my kids. I have conditions for the people around me. I have conditions for everything. <coughs> and she said, Mike, but most importantly, most importantly, you have conditions on how you love yourself. I go, whoa, whoa. I said, well, what do you mean? She says, well, you have to be this successful. You have to be this attractive. You have to be this intelligent. You have to be this, 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 this and this before you allow yourself to love you. And that was the first time, Well, even now it's emotional because it it takes me back to, you know, what was pretty much the metamorphosis of my entire life. You know, where I made such radical changes in such a short period of time. And to to sit there in her office and to kind of go through my mind that I can't even love myself for who I really am. What does that say about me? She says, well, it puts you kind of pretty much where (laughs) most everybody else is. She says, everyone, Mike, is struggling to learn how to and to love themselves with no conditions. Yeah. No condition. There's no addition, no conditions attached to how much you love yourself. So, yeah. so we started through that process of me learning how to love myself. And so, here's one of the questions. It's been, it, I, I talked about this just a few days ago. I wasn't this emotional. I don't know why all of a sudden it's it's emotional, but she asked me a question. She says, Mike, who was the most important person, most influential person in your life? And I said, well, that would have to be my grandmother. I grew up, I was, a, I was the oldest of uh, four boys. Um, and so, you know, getting to go and stay with my grandmother during the summertime was huge it's like I got to go and be an only son. You know, I got to go be by myself with my grandmother all by myself and with my grandfather without my three brothers, right? That was such such a treat. And really, really, um, sir, I would say probably I'd never understood what it meant to be an only son, you know, an only child, but getting to go and being loved on by your grandmother, you know, um, as an as an, like an only child was, was was pretty impressive, you know? And so, you know, I told her my whole relationship with my grandmother. And my grandmother still invades my thinking, and invades my writing. Um, most of the, a lot of the quotes that I use come straight from my grandmother. Like the one I, I talk about the most is you can't dip water from an empty well straight from my grandmother. And talking about, really I use it now when we talk about this subject, that you can't love someone if you love well, is completely dry. It's completely empty. You say, well, well, how does it get filled up? Well, we'll talk about that in a minute. But you fill it up yourself, right? But so she asked me, so who's the most influential person in your life? I said my grandmother, and I told her why. She says, let me ask you a question. If you were senior, and my grandmother had been had had died and gone gone on for about eight years, then she said, when when your grand, if you were in the airport waiting to see your grandmother. She's coming to see you for the first time in eight years, almost almost nine years. She said, and she's about to walk through that door. Okay, she's about to walk through that door. And when you look at her and she looks at you, what look is she going to have on her face? I said, I'm not sure I understand. She says, well, when she comes through the door and she looks at you, What look is she going to have on her face? What is that look going to say to you? Because most people express a lot with just their face. And I said, it's going to say, you're the most important person in my life. I love you unconditionally. She said, yes, yes, that's exactly true. She said, "And, and, and why would she love you unconditionally? This is a very simple question. Actually, a very simple answer. It's just that I had not been able to verbalize this for a very long time. It says, "Why are you? Why would she love you unconditionally?" Answer is because I deserve to be. Okay. Now, in my speaking with a lot of men, especially men, Sarah, especially men, a lot of times when I'm talking about loving for free, loving unconditionally, they say that's not there's nothing men aren't capable of that or I don't say men they say people aren't capable of people aren't capable of loving unconditionally or as I call it for free mike she says mike people are not capable i go well actually i can prove it to you i can prove to you that you are absolutely capable of loving for free. And I said, do you have any children? And typically they say yes. And if they haven't, I said, well, just imagine you're standing in the the, the delivery room and they're handing you your child for the first time. And I go, you, you now look down at that child who is yours, your child. And you look down at that child. And I want to ask you a question. What does that baby have to do for you to love them? And the answer is always the same yeah. nothing they don't have to do anything and and this is what we lose this is what we lose over time over time we start to add conditions on how we love ourselves and then we begin to add conditions on how we love others okay so I started, I, I started my my process of learning how to do this. I started with myself, learning how to love myself for free. Okay. Being able to say to myself, Mike, there's nothing that you have to do to make me love you. I love you just like you are. Okay. You don't, you don't need to you don't need to be taller. You don't need to be smarter. You don't need to be more attractive. You don't need to be anything, buddy. All you need to be is who you are. And I'm going to love you just like you are. And you can, I don't know if, you, if you've ever walked through that process before, if you're in the audience, but I'm, I'm going to tell you that 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 was a very humbling process for me in the beginning. Now, it's easier for me to do it now because I do it a lot day every day. But, but for the first time, being able to say to yourself, I love you. You don't have to do anything. You don't have to be anything. You don't have to accomplish anything. And I'm still gonna love you. Are there things I want us to do? Yes, there are things I want us to do. Are there people I want us to love on? Yes, there are, th- are people I want us to give to. Yes, are there are things I want to accomplish. Yes, but it's not gonna change, Mike. It's not gonna change how much I love you. Now then you come to the part, well, why why do I love me? Why do I love me? What are some of the reasons? Because unless you know, if you ask your friend your friends or your spouse or something. Well, tell me why you love me. One of my arguments with my wife one time, I asked her, I said, just then tell me why you, I bet you can't come up with anything that you can tell me why you love me. And she said, well, yeah, I can give you a big one. I said, okay, because you make me feel safe. I go, okay. I said, well, give me another one. She says, because you make me feel like I never have to worry about our children are about you providing for us. I feel like we're always going to be provided for. I said, okay. I said, what else? She said, because you're the most intelligent man I know. I said, and like, so I, kinda, I was feeling pretty good. So I kept asking questions, right? And she says, don't you feel the same way about yourself? And so, and so what I've learned to do over time is when I talked to myself, I said, hey, well, let me back up. A bit. What I learned to do was to write out in I am list. okay. Yeah. now I've, I've had many people poo poo, you know, like really poo poo this whole concept of having a, an I am list. I bet, oh, I've had some of the biggest executives in the world telling me why this is a really, really stupid thing to do to write out an I am list that you want me to read every morning. Okay, and i say, well, let me ask you a question. Tell me who you are then. Tell me who you are, tell me what you love about you, tell me what you am, tell me what you're about, tell me what's amazing about you. And they struggle with that list. They struggle greatly being able to, to, to easily just let fall out of your mouth. I'm a father, I'm a husband, I'm a leader of leaders. I am wise, I'm intelligent. One of my top ones right now is I am skinny, okay? Um, all these things. And they struggle. I said, listen, ma- imagine how amazing it would be, right? If you had a list of all the things that you're reading to yourself on a daily basis, I am this, I am this, I am this, I am this. I learned this from Napoleon Hill. Okay. I'm a huge Napoleon Hill fan. If you've never read the book, Think and Grow Rich, I'm telling you, you're missing out because in that book, he explains that space repetition, right? And saying positive affirmations to yourself, putting those two things together, positive affirmations and spaced repetition for me is every day, okay? Will absolutely change how you think, which changes how you behave, which changes who you become.
0: Absolutely.
1: Oh my goodness, it was life-changing for me. It was life-changing that I was able to change who I am and how I think about myself simply, Sarah, by changing the words I use to me. Yeah. because as you probably know i've we've we've shared our stories the words i was using before to me were so unkind they were yeah. so damaging they were so yeah. hurtful they were i understand now why i was where i was because your brain has one job your brain has one job and its job is 24/7 to cause to occur what you believe is true to cause to occur what you believe to cause to occur what you believe now it believes you believe something if you're saying it all the time. Well that must be true. This is where self-sabotage comes from that we that we say I am stupid I am I'm not I'm, I'm unsuccessful I can't do this I'm I'm not I'm not old enough I'm not smart enough I'm not wise enough I'm not happy enough I'm not attractive enough and in, in the brain once we start to have a little bit of success, the brain goes, "Wait, wait, wait, wait! No, we can, no, this is wrong because we don't believe we're successful." So no, got to crash this, got to stop this, and it all falls apart. I also call it, you know, having a having a success bucket that's only a half inch deep. You know, you fill it up and it all falls out because you're not in a place where you can receive all of it. So that was the process of learning to love me for free. Now, I asked, I asked the counselor, I kept asking her, when are we gonna start talking about marriage? Because that's why I was there. I was there, to, I was there to try to figure out how to be a better husband, right? I was there to learn how to, how to you know, become somebody my wife would want to keep, right? That's why I was there. So she's saying, bless her heart, she said, Mike, you, you, you can't love your wife any differently than the way you love yourself. Back to my grandmother's, right? You can't dip water out of an empty well. She said, you're, you're expecting that you're going to be able to love your wife in a way that you can't currently love yourself. She said, that's, that's absolutely never, ever going to happen. And this is why I see so many relationships there. I see so many relationships where I know people, people want to be loving, they want to love each other. They want to be in the, the process of of loving each other, but they don't know how, the reason you don't know how is because you're not in a place, you're not in a, in a mindset where you actually know how to love you first. Yeah. That's that's why I see fathers who, who, who treat their children in a way that, that when they come to me and talk to me, they tell me, Mike, I hate, I hate the kind of father I am. I go, well, why not change? He says, well, I've tried, I can't change and I said well there's a reason why you can't change and because i said you can't love on your children any differently than you're loving yourself okay and so i started this process where i where i walk them in through the very same example that she walked me through and so you know she i turned it around but she, you know i start them with i said if i find out who their most uh influential person is in their life a lot of times it's their it's their father or it's their grandfather or it's their grandmother or it's a it's an uncle who took them in or it's somebody who really really stepped out of what's normal and treated them in a way that's not you know that's loving and caring and kind. Yeah. Uh, and so I say, okay. So how long has it been since you've seen this person? And a lot of times, you know, they've they've died and gone. And so I said, that's okay. It doesn't matter, right? And so I said, let's just imagine for a minute. And I walked them through the exercise. They're coming through the airport door, you know, and you're looking at them. I said, what are they saying to you? What's the look they have on their face? And they say it was very similar to my answer. And I said, listen to me, you want me to tell you what your wife, you want me to tell you what your wife and your and your son or your daughter need? They need you. Whew. They need you to look at them the way he or she looked at you. Yeah, That's what they need in their life. They need you to look at them the same way. And it's the look of unconditional love. That you don't have to do anything. Mike, I love you so much. That's the way my grandmother would look at me. There was nothing I had to do. I didn't have to be somebody. I didn't have to measure up. I didn't have to perform. She loved me regardless Right. And isn't, isn't
0: that so profound and so simple?
1: <laughs> it is. It is. And I don't want to make it sound so simple, but, but you're right. But it is. Yeah. And so I've learned to look at my wife that way. I, I, I do this thing where before I walk in the garage door, I bend down. And I think about my grandmother and how she's going to look at me when she's coming through that door. And I reach down and I grab that emotion. I pull it up and I push it out my face. I want that same look on my face.
0: Yeah.
1: When I walk in the door and I see her. Yeah. I want her to have that face. When I look at my children, I want to have that face. When I look at my grandson, who is now four and a half, I want to look at him that way. And... I will tell you that it's difficult to be able to pull that look out and use it if you don't already look at yourself that way. Well, and people say, well, Mike, you just don't understand where I've been. I go, I think I do. (laughs) I think I do. You don't understand what I've done. I go, I think I do. I think I do. You don't understand the thoughts I've had or some of the things I've done to myself. I go, pretty much, buddy, I think I do. Because the things that we do to ourselves." When we don't love ourselves the the list is similar the yeah. list is similar, and the place that it puts you the place where you wind up when you don't love yourself is pretty similar as well. It's yeah. a pretty devastating place you know and 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 this is why i' I don't mean to draw what I do into this as far as success in life, but I will tell you that that most of the reasons that we don't we struggle to love ourselves as well as because we have no plan, Sarah. When I ask men and women, tell me about your plan for your marriage. Tell me about your plan for how you parent. Tell me about your plan for your relationship with your wife. And when I ask them that question, they they all give me the same look pretty much as that. I'm not sure I know what you're saying. I go, well, well, I said, you agree that nothing happens. Nothing really happens without a plan. I said, we just can't decide that tomorrow. Okay, I'm going to be the. I'm going to love my wife better than anybody's ever loved their wife before. Well, that's great. That's a great thought, and kudos to you. <clears throat> but it doesn't happen without a plan. Okay, and they said, well, well, then I, what do I need to come up with a plan for all the things I'm going to do for her that's going to show her I love her? And I go, no, no. It's not a plan for all the things you're going to do to show her. It's all the things you're going to do so that you can fill up your well so that there's so much love in there that it's all spilling it out on your spouse. That's yeah. the plan. The plan yeah. is to fill up your own love well, the own well that's inside your heart, inside your mind, to get it so full with how well you love yourself that it spills out into your wife, it spills out into your family. It spills out onto the people at work, it spills out into the people you run into on the road, it spills out, spills out onto everybody. And 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 I know our, our response, our response typically to that whole concept is, well, that's just not real living. I go, no, I realize it's not real for most people, but it can be real for you, okay? Because we can get to a place in our life where where we are filling our own tank, we are filling our own well, okay, and it starts by for me, honestly, it started by me writing out an I am list. I also have a grateful list, all the things I'm grateful for. People ask me, well, why do you have a grateful list as well? I said, well, because I have found that it's impossible to be negative and grateful at the same time. Yeah. Uh, and I said, it's, it's, it's amazing how when you become very grateful for something or someone, how it radically changes how you feel about them and how you feel about yourself. Okay. And it's
0: a choice, isn't it? Yes, yes. We get to
1: choose. Oh, I'm so happy you used that word. I I get a lot of pushback just so you know, when I say things like um, loving yourself for free is a choice. Or I say being happy is a choice or being motivated is a choice or being energetic is a choice or being enthusiastic it's a choice. Yes, absolutely. They're all choices that we get to wake up every day and choose. We'll say, well, why are people not making that choice? Mike? I said, because they're not waking up enough, early enough in the day to actually set themselves up mentally and yeah. physically and emotionally and spiritually to have that kind of day. Right. It's, uh-huh. it's, you have
0: to have a plan. Yeah and i think they tend to run on autopilot as well don't they so they just they just yes. do what they they do always do um so they don't yes. become conscious and once we become conscious we can make that choice consciously
1: yes well and you're and i because i'm a person of um i like routine okay and and, and so i have a routine that's written here I write it out every day. I write write out my routine every day. My wife says, why are you writing out something that you've been doing now for for five years? I go, well, because I I just don't want to be, I don't want to skip anything. Okay. And so, you know, I wake up, I I drink a full glass of water. I walk for 45 minutes. I shower, I dress. um, I have some meditation time. I have some prayer time. I have some journal time. I read through my I am list. I read through my grateful list. I read through my goals, 30 day, 90 day, one year, and five year. And here's another thing for for us overachievers out there, for the overachievers like Sarah. Okay. I want to make sure you know that you have to have a plan for your marriage. You have to have a plan for being a parent. You have to have a plan for the way you're gonna love yourself. What's the plan? How, what are you gonna do differently today than you did yesterday? That's a plan. Okay, you can't wake up every day and this is absolutely, I mean, accidentally happens. What is your plan for loving the people that you care about in your life? Okay, now I just, here's how I do it. You don't have to do it the same way, but, I, but I'm a creature, I'm a creature of goals. Everything I do happens because of a goal. I've talked about it many times. Okay, I'm a goal setter, okay? Goals help me accomplish things, okay? And so I have 30 day goals on how I'm going to love my family, how I'm gonna love my children, the kind of husband I'm going to become, the kind of father I'm going to become, the kind of man at work I'm gonna, I have goals for who I'm becoming. Let's, let me ask you, a, let me stop there and ask you a question. If you were to stop and ask yourself, who do you want to become? Okay. And if who you want to become is different than who you are, then something has to change. Okay. I hear so many people say that I shouldn't have to change to be successful. And I go, I don't know who told you that. (laughs) I don't know who told you that you don't have to change to be successful. I don't care what area of life you're talking about. Me right now, I'm talking about relationships. But in every area of your life, especially relationships, you're going to have to make some serious changes in order for those relationships to work well. Okay, just take marriage for instance. There are massive changes that have to occur as you come together, two separate people, two identities, doing things your way. Okay, there's massive changes that have to occur. Well, listen to me. When you want to, when you decide you want to love yourself for free, there's changes that have to occur in how you think and how you talk and what you believe. Okay, when you want to become an amazing father and love your children for free, there's massive changes that has to occur in how you think how you walk, how you talk, and how you treat the people around you, okay? Let me, I'll stop and add this, okay? I have ADD, just so you know, so sometimes I bounce around, okay? I eventually get there though, Um, but I went on a mission. I went on a mission to become kind. And I know it says, well, aren't you kind? I go, no, I wasn't. No, I wasn't. The man who I was at 42 years old was not a kind man. Wasn't just not kind. uh, I could act kind when I felt like it served its purpose, right? But I wasn't kind. Um, I was the kind of guy that looked at my children and go, I don't know why you're crying. Stand back up and let's go. You're going to be fine, okay? And I had girls. <laughs> so, you know, when you're when you when you're a father of four girls and your attitude is, you know, stand back up, rub some dirt on it, it'll be okay. It's not going to be okay, okay? Okay. Um, so I went on a mission to learn how to be kind. Okay. You say, well, how do you do that? Well, here's how I started. I wrote in my I am list. I am the kindest man. I know. I'm the kindest man. I know. And I kept repeating that stuff myself to myself every day, every day, every day. I'm the kindest man. I know. And here's what happens. when your brain brain begins to believe that you believe you're the kindest person in the world, then it starts to take you on a trip. (laughs) Oh, it takes you on a trip. You want to tell me what kind of trip it takes you on? It's not fun. It's not fun. No, that's no. It's like when you pray, God make me an amazing father. Oh, that's a terrible prayer. Don't pray that. No, because you know what happens? Yeah, God takes you through some situations where you learn how to love your children. So I'm on this mission and yeah, I have a situation after situation starting to rise a little bit after I started saying that every day, every day where I was having to choose, physically choose, right, not fleetingly choose, but physically choose to be kind rather than being ass, which is kind of who I was, okay? Um, my wife will tell you that I'm a recovering assaholic and that's probably a true statement, okay? Because what I've been able to do is push the asshole all the way down to my toes. He's still down there. I know he's still down there. He he rears his ugly head every once in a while, and we, you know, I just have to push him back down. But it's a, um, it's, and I don't want to take anything away from amazing therapy, uh, and some of the great things that we do when we go get counseling, because I don't want to oversimplify this. Uh, I just want to tell you what has worked for me. Okay, and so for me, I've changed the way I think. Okay, I've changed the way I think about how I love myself. I changed the way I think about how I love my spouse, how I love my children. And now I'm working really, really hard on how I choose to love others. Okay, others. Okay. Um, so I need to take a break and just uh, catch my breath a bit. What what questions would after all that, what questions would you have, Sarah?
0: <laughs> okay, so I'm gonna go way back to the beginning, Michael. And and I too was guilty of um, be it, I am who I was as in Sarah Dawkins was the registered nurse who's mm. Sarah Dawkins she's a registered nurse mm. who else is she she's a registered nurse well she's a mom and a wife but you know she's a registered nurse and it's like <laughs> I needed to really when I started my healing that was part mm. of finding me again and it's like peeling an onion isn't it you've got to yeah. take away those layers because We learn to identify with what we do rather than who we actually are. And I think that's part and parcel of um, a survival coping mechanism because we Mm -hmm. put on all these layers because we want to be liked and respected. Mm -hmm. So for me being a registered nurse was, it was something I wanted to do anyway, but, but it's like, it's got status and it's people look towards registered nurses as like good people. So that mm-hmm. was part of why I held on to who is Sarah Dawkins, she's a registered nurse. Um, and it was only through my healing, I was able to let go of that and start peeling back. Well, who was I before I put all these layers on top of the original me to mm-hmm. please others. And once I peeled all those layers back, I refound who I am at, at my heart. And I'm a, a kind and caring person with some hippie traits um and a gypsy soul and (laughs) um and and i'm unique you know there's nobody Uh like me i'm I'm crazy at times and a bit wild at other times but at at my heart of hearts i care deeply for people but i only found that out as i say after i've done the healing work and peeled back lots of layers to find who i was and finding who you are is a, a is a big part of healing, isn't it? Because you can't Mm. start healing until you know who you are. And then once you know who you you are, you have to then start to to show yourself some love, the same love and compassion that you give to other people going through tough times. So when I was going through my own tough times, you know, the voices in my head, whilst it was my voice, the words weren't mine, the words were Mm. other people's. But because it was in my voice, you know, I was berating myself and I'm thinking, you know, I'm I'm really not worthy and people don't want me and they don't like me because I'm hearing my voice in my head Mm -hmm. saying these things. So another part of the healing is to understand that those, the voice is yours in your head, but the words aren't. The words are other people's and those words have come from those other people's own conditioning And own layers of survival. Mm -hmm. And I see now that they weren't meant in malice because I was a child, you know, we we were all children at the time when when those words were said. And it was a way our parents, caregivers, school teachers, friends, family, whoever said them, it was a way of them helping in their own eyes to nurture us and mold us to fit into Mm -hmm. society. Uh, and the world as it was when we were small. And we hang on to that conditioning and those beliefs and perpetuate them through our lives until we become conscious of what we're doing. What was the origin of the belief that that I believe? Where did that come from? Is it really mine? Why am I doing what I'm doing? Is it because this is how I was raised to, to be? And this is what I know what to do. And that's why I'm doing what I'm doing. Or can I step outside of that and have a choice? When I become conscious of what I'm doing, I can then make my own choice. Do I want to continue doing this or do I want to go off on a different path?
1: Right.
0: And, and it comes back to that becoming conscious, understanding where our beliefs lie and making a conscious choice to change or to take a different path or to stay the same. That choice is always ours. And sometimes it's between a rock and a hard play that, but we've always got a choice, always. But it's not always an easy choice, is it? No,
1: no, it's not an easy choice. In fact, um, it's a choice I have to continue to make. You know, People people say, well, well, when you get there, you're there, right? I go, well, it hasn't been true for me. You know, um, it's it's a it's for me it's a it's not a I wouldn't say a battle because that sounds a little bit like I'm over speaking, but but it is a it's, a it's a it's a battle that I have with myself every day to choose not to be that angry person. You know, because I spend a lot of my life angry. You know. Um, I spent a lot of my young adult life angry. I spent a lot of my middle life angry. And so anger is something that's pretty easy for me, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, not rage. I don't do rage, but I can do I can do mean and hateful really well. I can do mean and hateful really well. and so and so I choose not to be that person anymore because that person doesn't serve me. That person doesn't love me. That person doesn't take care of me. That person doesn't make me feel the way I wanna feel. So I just keep that part of who I am pushed down to my toes. And I wake up every day and I choose to be this person. The person who loves, the person who is kind, the person who is considered, the person who cares. The person who will say things that's not normal for me to say to my wife. The person that will say things that's not normal for me to say to my children. Now they become more normal as I've changed over the years. Okay. But honestly, I still find myself writing out things that I want to say because I feel like it. if I don't, then I won't, I won't say them, but there are things I want to express to the people I care about. Okay. Um, and so I continue, I I'm still on a mission to say, you know, to become the kindest person I know. I, I, um, for me, it's what works for me. Uh, I believe personally that kindness is a superpower. I believe kindness is something that that opens the door to to resurrecting relationships, and it opens the door to life changing of, of relationships. So, um, you know, like I just had a conversation yesterday with a man, uh, and he's struggling with his, his a relationship. Uh, and I said, "Have you tried being kind and caring?" And he goes, "No." And it's amazing how many, I don't mean to poo-poo men here because I'm not really, but it's amazing how many men I talk to, Sarah, who kind and caring is is a difficult concept for them, you know. Um, They will say, I love you, and they will say things that are supposed to be caring, but the truth is when they come out, they don't sound kind and caring. And plus, you and I both know that kind and caring isn't necessarily something you say, but it's something that you do right? It's an action. So, so I, I, I love having these conversations with guys. I love having these conversations. I actually, believe it or not, I say, guys, I have these conversations with women as well, because believe it or not, there are some women out there that struggle with being kind. There are some people out there, women who are struggling now with loving themselves for free, you know, yeah. because all of us have grown up with this being embarked, you know, bombarded with all these thoughts and thinking about who we are, who we're supposed to be. Yeah. Okay. And whether or not we had a teacher or a coach or uh, a parent, right, or somebody tell us that we didn't measure up, it's amazing how our brain holds on to the words, you don't measure up. You're not enough. You know, but we don't hold on to the words, you know, when people tell us you're amazing or you're perfect or I love who you are. We don't necessarily hold on to those words. And so what happens is we grow up with these experiences. And these thoughts roll around in our head. And unfortunately, as as we towards adulthood, we begin to grasp onto some of those things. This is who I am. 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 And we formulate, this is who I am. Well, I realized very quickly going into my mid 40s or actually going into my 40s when I was promoted that, you know, that kind of persona wasn't going to get me ahead in my career, which is how I created the false persona. Yeah, uh, This fake Michael Mintz, who actually people liked. It was crazy, Sarah. People liked that guy. He was, like, fun. He was he was so funny and witty and made people laugh. And, you know, right, he was the life of the party. And, you know, but the problem was he hated himself.
0: Yeah. And don't you find that, that um, especially, like, when you look at the TV, there's lots of comedians who are very funny people. But when you look into their personal life, they're actually suffering yeah. with depression. Yes. And they really struggle to like themselves. So they put on that persona of being the, the you know, the fun, witty people mm-hmm. that people really like and, and and get on well with. But it's not them. No. And it's about, it's about understanding what's at the root of that to know why mm-hmm. we need to put on those personas and why we need right. to be the heart and soul of the party or of the meeting. Mm-hmm. Um, and when we get to the crux of that, that's what we're healing. And quite often, more often than not, it's an emotional trauma from when we were children. Now it mm-hmm. could be something something smaller like we were teased for something as a child. Mm-hmm. Or it could be something bigger, like we were physically, mentally, sexually, emotionally abused. You know, it could be anywhere in between any of those at each end of that spectrum. Mm. So it's about understanding the messages that are coming from within us. So the anger that you're feeling that pops out periodically is a message from your younger years. And the way to hide that not sorry, the way, not the way to hide it, the way to heal that is to give yourself the same loving kindness that you would for somebody else in that situation. So the anger will come mm. out in a situation, it, it will be triggered because of something. So the art is to find what that something was to understand why it triggered anger in you. Whether it's doing something, being with somebody, somebody say something what is it about that situation that triggers us to anger Mm -hmm. and that will give you the crux of where the problem comes from in your past Mm -hmm. to understand it and as we understand that we're all the product of our life's experiences you know in the main our generation's parents and grandparents haven't done their own healing work because they didn't understand what needed doing so, if we can understand that they are just running their life on autopilot based on what they know, what they were taught when they were children from their caregivers and school mm-hmm. teachers, and they're just perpetuating mm-hmm. that, and that spills over in, and, and rubs off into our life. Once we can understand right. that, we can right. understand that, that person is only doing what they know how to do based on what they've experienced in their own lives. Right. And as we can Understand that we're able to forgive them and let go of any negativity or any feelings of anger that or, or feeling a victim sometimes, you know, mm-hmm. when we, we're put into that situation and we don't like, once we can see them through the loving, compassionate eyes, if the roles were switched and somebody was looking at us turn to, to help us, right. if we can give ourselves that same loving compassion. We can help mm-hmm. heal that issue from our childhood.
1: Wow, well, that's amazing because for me, my anger was at a father who had never once ever let the words "I love you" might come out of his mouth ever growing up, not once, ever.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. And it you know I, and, and he was uh, you know he had a job where he he was a pastor. He was a preacher and his job was to love on people. But but here I am. I'm going, okay, why is it you can love on people, other people, but you can't love on me? So at 40 years old, when I started this transformation, I invited him over, him, him, my mom over and was cooking him some steaks out on our back porch. I said, dad, I'm sorry. This is not probably not the right time, but I need to ask you a question. And I said, why is it? I'm almost 41 years old and you've never said the words, Mike. I love you. And he just lowered his head and tears started falling down his face. And after a few minutes, he looked back up and he said, because I was afraid if I said it to you, you wouldn't say it back to me. Because he grew up with a father very similar. Actually worse. Actually worse. So we decided that day, We decided, he and I together, we decided that from that day forward, every time we saw each other, every time, no matter what the occasion, we walk up to each other, we kiss each other on the cheek, and we say in our ear, I love you, son, or I love you, dad. And that happened until he died. Every time I saw him, every time we met, every time we had a a family event together, he would walk up to me, he would hug me, he would kiss me on the side of my cheek, and we'd say, I love you. Okay. And so that's the kind of thing we actually do for ourselves, right? That was the beginning of me learning to love myself, believe it or not. Yeah. You know, and, and, and doing that exact same thing, you know, to myself. So. Yeah.
0: Because your dad validated the feelings for you then, that, that once you knew that he loved you, you could mm-hmm. then love yourself.
1: Yes. Yes. Well, and understanding who his father was, because I, I knew him very well as well. You know, and, and how he would be at a place where he would be afraid to say, I love you. Because, you know, if you say the words, I love you, and the person standing there, you're saying them to doesn't say them back. That's a statement.
0: Yeah. But but then when we come back to unconditional love, can't we just say, I love you and not expect people to yeah. come back with, I love you too? Yes.
1: Yeah. That's when I don't need you to love me back. I love you, but if you can't love me back, that's Okay.
0: Yeah, right. And That's some exactly. people will, will have problems vocalizing, I love you, but their mm-hmm. actions will show that they love you. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's about understanding where people are coming from. If, if they can't say it at that time, their actions, you know, a hug, um, cooking a meal, making a drink, running a bath, all those different actions say, I love you without saying I love you.
1: Right, I'll tell you one last story because I love telling stories, and then I, I can be done. but um, when my wife and I separated for a short period of time and I kind of kind of went through counseling and got my life back together, when I moved back in to our house um, with my wife and my daughters, um, I noticed in my closet that my shoes were shined. Uh, And I didn't shine them. So I'm assuming that my wife shined them. And I said, honey, I, I thought she was being kind, you know. I said, honey, thank you for shining my shoes. She said, you're welcome. She says, but do you not know that I've been shining your shoes for many, many years? Wow. And I go, no. And so a lot of times we're being loved yeah we're being loved but we're not receiving it because we're not we're not hearing it we're not seeing it we're not accepting it we're not owning it okay
0: because we
1: don't because we don't love ourselves right yeah
0: yeah right yeah so wow what a conversation michael (laughs) (laughs) lintz So many takeaways from
1: that. So many. I I agree. This was fun. This was a lot of fun. I appreciate you letting me do this.
0: Oh, please. It's been my pleasure. Um, Michael, can you share with the listeners where they can find you?
1: Yes. um, They can find me under Michael Mintz, uh, My Success in Life on LinkedIn. Um, I don't have a a website. I'm actually working on one, but I don't have one. Uh, So that's where they can find me right now. Um, actually towards the end of this year, I'm going to have another uh, website for uh, a thing I'm doing in Nepal, But and we talked about earlier, but they'll also be able to find me there. So so for right now, it's just Michael Mintz, uh, my success in life in, on uh, LinkedIn.
0: Lovely, and I'll put that in the link below um, with Thank all you. the text um, to go with this video. And um, I will also share through... Um, another video, uh, your video of um, when you joined me on the Heal Yourself Summit. I'll share a link to Mm -hmm. that over here and uh, people can find your episode there. So Michael, thank you so much for joining me. You're
1: most welcome. It was my privilege. It really was. Thank you, Sarah. All right. Bye-bye.